All summer long, we have been talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Would you say that? The fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruits of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. A singular fruit with nine different aspects. And we have spent the last eight weeks talking about eight different aspects of this fruit. Today is the last day. Today is the last week of the fruit of the Spirit. Now, I want to say that because this is, is, is the point to where we're not going to be reminding each other of this next week. Now, from time to time, I'm sure we'll talk about the fruit of the Spirit because it's in the Bible and, we'll, and it's good to talk about. We'll talk about it. But here's the deal. This is the last time we're going to focus on it. So now is when we entrust this into your life completely. Now is the time where we, for the last eight weeks, and this week included, now nine weeks, this is the time where it should take root in our lives. You know, anything that's going to have fruit is going to have a root. (laughs) And I want this to root in your life. Today, I hope that uh, it's just like gasoline on the fire of what's been happening over the last eight weeks. Because now I want this love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control to launch in your life and launch in the world around you. I believe it's going to be good. The one aspect of the fruit that we haven't talked about is this, self-control. Is anybody excited to talk about self-control? Yes, I'm so glad they gave me this topic. It's going to be great. Self-control, the Lord knows I need more of it. Anybody could use more of it in their lives? Yeah, I like that you're shouting about that. That's good. Here's the deal. I know I need some self-control. Uh, a, few, a few weeks ago, I was uh, at my uh, brother and sister-in-law's place, and we had a great meal together. And then after that, they dished up the cake. They said, hey, man, you want any cake? I said, of course. I love cake. Bring it on over. So I had a piece. Then we all got playing football and baseball in the yard. And then after they said, hey, Chris, you want a piece of cake? And I was like, hmm, let me think about it. Yes, I'll have two. So I had another piece of cake. Then I went home. And before I went home, they said, hey, Chris and family, do you guys just want to take the cake? I was like, of course we want to take the cake. Of course we'll take it. So then we put the boys to bed. And then uh, Emily and I were hanging out and I was like, man, I'd hate for the boys to eat that cake in the morning and miss me. (laughs) So I better have one before I went to bed. Now I'm up three pieces of cake. Self-control should be kicking in. Emily's looking at me like, yo, dude, what are you doing? And I was like, that's the end. That's the end. We went to bed that night and I kid you not, at one in the morning, I woke up and guess what was on my mind? Cake. Oh my gosh. I, I, you know, at that point I was like, I gotta have some self-control. I'm even preaching on self-control. I could do this. And, uh, and, uh, so I got, I actually won the battle. I I went back to sleep for about an hour, (laughs) about two 30 in the morning. I wake up and the first thing on my mind, cake. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what? If you're ever going to go to sleep, if you're ever going to sleep through the night, you just need to get up and eat the cake. So guess what I did? Got up and ate the cake. So there I am, 2.30 in the morning. It's not my proudest moment. Now, and I'm thinking, as literally as I'm eating this cake, I'm like, I know this is going to come up in that message. I just know it. Anybody else could use a little more self-control? Yes. This is me too. Now, cake is, I'm having fun with that. And yeah, I think I've wrapped it under control here in the last couple weeks, just so you know. But I think then the bigger things in life, we need more self-control in our lives. And, and the good news is, is that God's got us covered in this. The fruit of the Spirit. Part of the aspect of this fruit is self-control. 
And that's what we're going to talk about. But self-control can't just be talked about on its own. It needs to be talked about in the context of the whole. And since this is the last week, I want to make sure that this whole thing of the nine aspects is going to get rooted in our lives. So what we're going to do is we're going to go on a little journey. If you have your Bible with you, would you open to Galatians chapter 5? And we're going to have a bit of an old school um, Bible teaching this morning or Bible study. We're going to look through what we have already talked about and a little bit of what we haven't. We're going to start in verse uh, 13. And we're going to build our way to self-control. We're going to find out why was this whole fruit of the spirit thing written in the first place. So are you going to be with me? Yes. Okay. Here's the deal. So you're opening to Galatians. And uh, Galatians, it was written by this guy named Paul. Paul wasn't always a Jesus follower. He wasn't always a Christian. Uh, literally, Jesus crashed into his life when he was on a, going on a trip. And, and from the, when Jesus crashed into his life, he was changed forever, meaning Paul. He then was discipled by Jesus' disciples. And then he became a follower of Jesus. And he, he began to be a preacher. And he helped the early church figure out what is this Christian life all about? How are we supposed to live it? How are we going to live this way? There was no Bible to follow at the time. The churches were just forming. The groups of people were coming to Jesus in the way of Jesus by the thousands. And they were trying to figure it out. And so he writes this letter to the church in Galatia, which now we refer to as Galatians in the Bible. And they had this interesting thing going on. They had all these people following Jesus in the Jesus way. They're becoming Christians. But then they had this argument amongst themselves. And they said, well, Jesus was Jewish. And he followed followed the Jewish practices of the day. So we too should follow the Jewish practices of the day. And so there was this argument going back and forth and back and forth. And so Paul comes to say, hey guys, the Jesus way is different. It's different. And that's where we're going to pick up the story, all right? He is passionate about the Jesus way. Take a look. Chapter 5, verse 13. It says this, for you have been called to live in freedom. Everybody say called. Good. You have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sister. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. That sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. Paul doesn't want these arguments to just devour one another. So he kicks it off by saying, you have been called. I love that. You have been called. Not just the Galatian church, but me and you have been called by Jesus himself. I I just, that just fires me up because if we are called by God himself, that means he has a high view of us. That means that he knows the plans that he has for us. He's as if he's saying, hey, I know the way you're living folks and I got a better way. I've got a life for you and a life more abundantly. If he's calling you, it just means that he has like love for you. And there's a tenderness about that. There's like a, I'm calling you, come up here, come up now. I've got plans for you. I'm grateful that we're called. Anybody else grateful that we're called this morning? Yes. And what are we called to? Live in freedom. Live in freedom. To have a life and life more abundantly. The Christian way is then to live in freedom. Not just freedom as the world gives, but a freedom that Christ gives. What's Paul referring to here? He's referring to that argument that I was talking about, where they were like, do we need to be Jewish to be Christian? Do we need to follow all the Jewish laws? 
the Jewish folks at the time, they had about 613 laws and they were really going through life like, can I do this or can I not do that? I need to do that only because the law says it, not necessarily because it's in my heart. I need to do it because the law says it. And Paul's saying, no, the Christian way is different. It's different. You don't need to follow all those Jewish laws. You've been set free from all of that. And also you have been set free from your cultural norms. Christianity was about to take over the whole world. And he's saying, you don't need to be uh, like, you don't need to follow the rules of being a Greco-Roman world. No, you don't need to follow the order of the day. You need to follow something higher. You have been set free from all of that. There is a different law we follow. And that law is to love, to love. That's what we're following. And it's really important to Paul. And really important to us because if we are ever going to follow Jesus, we need to realize that we have been set free. We've been set free of those things, but we've also been set free of our old self, of our hurts, habits, and hangups. We don't need to be in bondage to those things anymore. We are free in Christ. We have been called to live free. And because we are free of those laws and because we're free of our hurts, habits, and hangups, that doesn't mean that we can just go get more hurts, habits, and hangups. No, we're called to love. And then he goes on and says some more things. Let's take a look at verse 16. So I say to you, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Let's talk about that. So if we're not going to be guided in our lives by these laws and systems, how are we going to be guided? The Holy Spirit. Think about it. The early church, the first people to follow Jesus, they did not have the scriptures. When Paul was writing this letter, he, I, I, I would assume he didn't think it was going to be the scriptures. Now, I'm grateful that this letter became the scriptures. Later on, the church said, okay, we need some faithful witnesses of how to live this life. And they were like, okay, yeah, that Paul letter to the Galatians, let's put that in a book because that's a faithful witness to the things of Jesus and the Christian life. I'm grateful that they did it. But at the time, they didn't have anything. How would you follow Jesus if you didn't have the scriptures? You'd follow him by the spirit. Now, just because we have the scriptures, it's not a cop-out to not follow the spirit. The spirit is so important. The spirit is the spirit of Jesus. Who's the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the person that the scriptures tell is the person that created the whole world. Yes, God spoke it to being, but the spirit was there hovering over the face of the deep and over the void. And the word there is tohu bohu. And it just means that like there was this crazy void. There was, there was craziness going on and the spirit was hovering over this craziness and he was waiting for Jesus to speak the word. And when he spoke the world, boom, then the void became a mountain. The void became trees and birds and this organization started happening. This civilization started happening. And that's how the whole thing was created. That the Holy Spirit is still creating today. And the Holy Spirit is still following the voice of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is literally the spirit of Jesus. And that's what we're to follow. If that's supposed to be the guide in our lives, that's also in some ways the hardest way to do it. But is the most honest way to do it. If you can learn to hear the voice of God, if you can learn to follow the leading of the spirit, oh, your life will be headed in the right directory. The life, life more abundantly. And what we're gonna see is we'll see evidences of the spirit. And Paul's gonna talk to us about that. The other thing that was mentioned in that scripture is sinful nature. And we gotta talk about that. Are you still with me? Okay, you're still with me, good. Sinful nature. So what is this all about? And when we are created, we are created by the hands of God. 
And we were created in his image. I like that. Literally, the hands of God formed humans. That's what it talks about in Genesis 1 through 3. The hands of God were formed in this. Not just the words of God, but God's hand has been involved on you and in you. And you were created in his image. And then we just started making our own decisions. We wanted to make some decisions that were different than this way of love and this way of God. And that's when we started developing our own sinful nature. So we have this nature that is good in in the image of God. But it got marred. It got fractured. It got distorted. Almost like a mirror. You can kind of see the image of God in it. But now there's this new reality. And it's harder to see the image of God. That is the sin nature. We have this good nature and this sin nature. I hate to tell you this, but you have one. We need to own it. I hate to tell you this, I have one too. We have sinful natures. We also have a good nature. And how are we going to follow Jesus if we have this? We have to be set free from it. This sin nature, scripture says that at times we can become enslaved to it and enslaved to sin because of it. But that's what Christ has come to set us free from. When we say, Jesus, you are Lord, that's different than saying, Jesus, you are God. When we say, Jesus, you are God, that's like saying, yep, we recognize that you're all powerful. But when we say, Jesus, you are Lord, we're recognizing you are the ruler of everything, including my life. And when scripture says, when we do that, when we say, yes, you are Lord, I'm going to place myself under you. It says that the spirit of God comes and takes up residence in us. He lives in us. And that is good, good news. Because at that point, then we don't have to start following that sinful nature. That thing begins to die off. Let's read more about that. Okay, verse 17. The sin nature wants to do what is evil, which is the opposite of that good nature. Which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Let's stop there for a moment. So everybody say the word desires. Desires. Very good. So we have the sinful nature that desires things. And we're going to read about what it desires. It's just evil stuff. Non-good is what it desires. But the spirit desires things too. The spirit wants to see something in your life. The spirit wants to see your life in a trajectory. And the spirit of God has a great trajectory for your life. He's the one who knows what your life should really all be about. He's the one who wants to set you free. He's the one who wants to have your life be about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. He desires Jesus. And when you desire Jesus, you get all of those aspects of the fruit. Let's keep reading. Okay? Um, It says, these two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the spirit, you are no longer under obligation of the law of Moses. There's that Jewish system again, right? He says, when you are directed by the spirit, you don't have to follow all those rules. You've been set free from all of that because you are directed by the spirit. Now, maybe something uh, some of you might know about me is that I grew up on a farm. Maybe I don't look like I grew up on a farm right now, but I, I got my boots on today. That's about all you can tell. But I grew up on the farm for 12 years. And, and there's something, I grew up with cows, uh, pigs, horses, and we were constantly taking care of these. And there's something that I learned early on, and that is, if you're not going to be there to watch the cows, you have to follow, or you have to build a fence. Okay, let's say, let me say it again. If you're not going to have a shepherd, you need a fence. If, 
what this means is, it's like, it's, it's, it's an analogy, what I'm trying to say is to the spirit. The spirit is the shepherd. You and I have a good shepherd. Matter of fact, Jesus was very explicit about it. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and the sheep know my voice. That's right. They know him. They know his voice. And who's the voice of Jesus? The spirit of God. That's how we know Jesus. So we don't have to follow all of these rules and regulations. We don't have rules like this. We are free. There are no fences facing us. You can see. Run. You're free. Go. And guess what? The shepherd will go with you. And we have a shepherd who guides us and says, oh, this is the way. This is the way. I'm so grateful to have a shepherd. Anybody else grateful for that? Yeah. So let's keep going. But it says when we follow the desires of our sinful nature, the results are clear. And we've read this list over the last few weeks. We have sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild party, and other sins like these. Let me tell you, as I have before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. What he's saying is if we keep following the desires of the flesh, we keep following the sinful desires, we're not going to end up with life more abundantly. We're not going to be able to inherit that, the kingdom of God, because it doesn't come like this. You know, it's like we were at this birthday party yesterday and it came time for cake. Of course, I had cake there. And uh, so I only had a small piece, by the way, just a small piece. Well, I told the kids, I was like, hey, you can't keep beating up on one another or else you can't have cake, right? So the thing is, is that the kingdom of God is like this. If the kingdom of God is going to come in your life, you can't be beaten up on one another. You can't be living non-love because the kingdom of God is coming into you. The kingdom of God is coming. Love is coming into your life. Peace is coming into your life. And it's different than that whole list. Everybody do this for me. Just put your hands out like this, like you're going to receive a gift. This is the only way that the kingdom of God comes. It doesn't come through working and striving. It comes like this. It comes through receiving. Did you see that the word there was inheriting? We inherit the kingdom of God. It doesn't come through coercion. It doesn't come through manipulation. It only comes from like, thank you, God, for loving me. And spirit, I choose you again. I choose you again, spirit. And the kingdom of God comes more and more and more in our lives. And then we have what the Holy Spirit produces. Let's take a look at this. Verse 22. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and say it with me, self-control. There is no law against these things. Who produces these things? Come on, it's a question. Who produces these things? The Holy Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. He's the one who gives them to us. And we we get these things when the Spirit comes in our lives. And then it grows. Now, Paul all of a sudden breaks the form of what he's been talking about here. He's been talking about works and desires and things. But now he's talking about fruit. And he wants to do that because he wants to give us a clear analogy of what the spirit of God is like in our lives. Fruit doesn't just show up as an apple on your doorstep. Fruit grows on a tree. Love, the things of the spirit, uh, love, joy, peace, these things grow. These things grow in our lives. This is one fruit in our lives and it grows. 
The spirit grows. It's like botanical growth, like a tree would grow, like a piece of fruit would grow. And I think that's good news today because if you find yourself in a lack of self-control, there is a promise in the midst of this. The promise is that if the spirit lives inside of you, and does anybody have the spirit living inside of them? Has anybody said yes to Jesus? Then the spirit lives in you. And if the spirit lives in you, the fruit is gonna grow. If I plant an oak tree in the ground, what am I gonna get? An oak tree. If you plant the spirit of God in your life, what are you gonna get? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Hallelujah. This is awesome. So great. The fruit of the spirit. All right, one last verse here to go through. It says this, those who belong to Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. He comes back to that again. Follow the Spirit in every part of our lives. How are you gonna do that? Self-control. Let's talk about it. Self-control literally means this. The word there is, because he's writing Greek, and that Greek word there literally means power over yourself. You've been given power over yourself. Hallelujah. This is the greatest news in the world because we don't have to follow our every desire. Like we have been given power. Self-control, like that word there in Greek was not an uncommon word. That word power over self, that that was known in the Greco-Roman world because Aristotle wrote a lot about it. The, the Greeks and the Romans, they loved the idea of having control over yourself, mastery over yourself. And their idea was they wanted to have mastery and control over themselves so that, that they had ultimate control. And if I controlled my life, then you never could. And I'm gonna control my life with an iron fist like I have great willpower. Look at me, I've got great willpower. But Paul is breaking that down. He says this, that the power To control your life doesn't come from your willpower. It comes from the Holy Spirit. The very God who created the mountains and the stars has given you the power to control you. Awesome. Hallelujah. Do you realize what power resides in you? I had a couple thoughts on this. One of the first thoughts about, about this power is I thought, thank you, Jesus, for the power of self-control because I'm not a robot. <laughs> that implicitly implies we're not robots. You're not a robot to yourself as in the desires that come inside of you. You're not a robot to it. When that, when that evil sinful nature comes up, you don't have to follow it. You're not a robot to it, but you're also not a robot to the spirit. That's not the way that God does things in our lives. He, what happens is this sinful desire, we might have that, but the spirit's desiring a different thing. And we get the opportunity to choose. You know, my kids have this little robot. It's like a little toy robot. And they get to program it. They're learning kind of computer programming. So they can make it turn right and turn left. And we call the thing Botly. And it has googly eyes. It's trying to look like it has life. But when I look at this little robot on the floor, it has no life. It has no life and life abundantly. The life that you have have and the life that Jesus is giving you is a life that has no fences a life that is is non-robotic you're not a robot you get to choose aren't you glad to serve a God who 
honors you, respects you enough to say, you choose, what do you want? And so we get to choose every time. And we have self-control. He's given us the power to say, you know what, spirit? I want you more than I want my flesh. I want you more than I want that selfish ambition. I love it. Thank God we don't have to follow our own desires every time, particularly the harmful ones. Thank God we have the power over that. So grateful. I mean, think about it. When something evil is done to you or harm is done to you, you, your, your first thought of, of sinful nature might be like, I'm gonna get you back. But the spirit all of a sudden speaks up in your life and says, hey, love your enemy. At that point, point you have the opportunity and he has given you the power to choose to not do this one, but to love, to be gentle, to be kind. And you have the power inside of you because the spirit of God lives in you. That's good news. The third thought that I think of when I think of self-control that I was so thankful for is thank God for self-control because it keeps me, keeps me in bounds. When I think of, uh, of the, the fruit of the spirit and self-control, what do we have self-control to do? We have self-control to love, self-control, the power to be gentle. I think of it like a river, you know, the temperance river is in Northern Minnesota and it's a powerful river and the power comes because the river is flowing in a direction and it flows in a direction because it has these banks and, and the river is kept inside of a flow. And then if the river gets overflowed, it loses its power. But if inside of its bounds, the river is so powerful, the spirit of God is so powerful through your life. Your life can do amazing things if we can just keep it inside its bounds and love more. And he has given us the power to do it. I love it. And guess what? It keeps you where you're going. It gets you where you're going. He has given you the power to say, you know what? I made the wrong decision that time, but this time I'm getting up. This time I'm going with the spirit. This time I'm going with love. You know, Paul said, When you've done all to stand, stand. When you're beat down, stand. The psalmist says, though I fall down a thousand times, I get up. How do they do that? Because the spirit of Christ lives in them and they have the power to say, I'm gonna stand up again and self-control will get you where you're going. God's got good plans for you. Ephesians says that. Great plans for you. Good plans for good works. And self-control will help get you there. Think of the life of Jesus. Remember, the spirit of God is the spirit of Jesus. Look at Jesus. He was able to overcome every temptation because he was able to say, I want what you want, Father, through the spirit. Think of the temptations that came to him. Every time he said, no, I want what you want, Father God. Think of later on in his life when he was going to the cross and he was really, he was grappling with that and over the pain, can I go through this pain? Can I do, can, can this thing pass from me? And he ultimately said, not my will, but yours be done. That is self-control. That is the power from the spirit to say, I'm choosing you. Anybody grateful for this power in our lives? Yeah. You have the power to get over any hurt habit and hang up you have. You have the power. To say, Spirit, I want what you want. 
Sometimes that saying, spirit, I want what you want is to say, hey, I'm going in a different direction and hey, I need some help. That's power too. He's given you the power to say, hey, I'm going in a different direction. I need some help. Go for it today. If that's you, go for it. If it's you and something comes, situation comes into your life and you have the opportunity to go anxiety or peace, say, spirit, I want what you want. I want peace. So if these things come from the spirit of God, here's the question. How do you get the spirit of God? Now, this is where we're going to wrap up the whole fruit of the spirit series. How do you get more of the spirit of God? If these, if love comes by the spirit of God, if self-control comes by the spirit of God, how do you get more of the spirit? Jesus says, you ask, ask for the spirit and it'll be given to you. It'll be given freely to you. You know, in Acts, we have another thing that happens. You know, the the answer to how do you get the spirit? I think there's several answers. Ask is one of those answers. In Acts, we see that people were, they would come forward and they would, they would, people, other Christians would lay their hands on people and they would lay their hands on them and pray for them. And they would say, receive the Holy Spirit. And guess what? The Holy Spirit would fall and they would come and the Holy Spirit would take up residence in their life. Other times while people were preaching, the Spirit of God descended on people's lives and took up residency in their heart. Maybe that's happening today. I don't know. Another way though, that Paul who wrote about the fruit of the Spirit He gives us a surefire way to do it. And I want us to look at that. That's how we're going to close. Would you open your Bible to Ephesians chapter five? How do we be filled with the spirit? How do we have more of the spirit? Chapter five, verses 15. Now he's about to give us the answer to how to be filled with the spirit. But first he talks about self-control, which is good for us today. Let's check this out. But he uses different language. He says, so be careful how you live. Don't be like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly. That's the idea that we can choose. But understand what the Lord wants us to do. Pick the way of the spirit. Verse 18, he says, don't be drunk with wine. It'll cause your life to be ruined. Now he could have used anything from the previous list. But this time he says, don't do that kind of stuff. Don't choose that sinful nature. It'll cause your life to ruin. But choose the spirit. And now he says this. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Everybody say that. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That be filled is not a one-time be filled. That's a, it's a present ongoing tense. It's like if I told you, hey, dude, brush your teeth. I don't mean brush your teeth one time. I mean brush your teeth every day. It's the same thing. He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just one time, every day. Be filled again. Choose the way of the Spirit again, every day. Now, how, does, how do we be filled with the Spirit? Take a look at the scripture. Be filled with the Spirit by singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourself. Do you recognize that it says, right, right when it says, instead be filled with the Holy Spirit, we have a comma, not a period. So he's not saying be filled with the Holy Spirit and sing psalms. No, he's singing. He's saying, be filled with the Holy Spirit by singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourself and make music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God, the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. How do you be filled with the Spirit? Sing! Of course I'm gonna say that. I'm a worship leader. But I'm not making this up. You know, every week I stand in front of you at some campus and I say, sing! I started doing this when I was 15 years old. I've been doing it 21 years. I 
I don't, I, when I stand up in front of you and say, sing, I don't want you to sing just because I like to hear you sing. I don't, I don't really care. I want you to sing because I want your life to be filled with the spirit of God. I want your life to be filled with love. I want your life to be filled with hope. Be filled with self-control. Get where you're going. Let God use you. How are you going to be filled with the spirit? One surefire way is to sing. And when we do it, we say, God, I want you more than I want myself. Would you fill me? So across all of our campuses, this is how we're going to end today. Would you across all of the campuses, would you stand up on your feet? We're going to pray and have asked every worship team to do this song called Build My Life. Because today I want us to sing like we've never sung before. Because I want the fruit of the Spirit to grow in your life. I want the effect of the Spirit to grow in your life. And if you want that, sing and raise your voice. We're going to sing the words, fill me. Fill me with your heart and lead me. Because he's the guide in our lives. Can we do that today? Let's do it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for a day like today. A day that we have breath in our lungs. Life in us. Life from you. And Jesus, we choose you again. We say you are Lord. Holy Spirit, would you live inside of us? We don't want to live in those sinful desires any longer. Forgive us of that stuff. Thank you for giving us the power to move in your direction. We ask for you to fill us. Maybe even open your arms and say, Lord, fill me. Fill me today. God, anew and afresh. Oh, we want all that you have. All the love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, God, and self-control. Thank you for the power of your presence. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen.